0: biggest reservation with Polly was that she thought that I was going to leave her. She thought that I was going to fall in love with somebody else, that sex would be better or something with them, and I would leave her. And after her having feelings for other people and not having that change her feelings for me, there was a big um, shift in her brain where she was like, oh, you're not going to leave me because some random person is really sexy or even if you like actually love them that doesn't mean that you're gonna leave me it just means that you also love
1: that person
2: this is frisky
1: north of 60
2: we bring you stories about love love and dating in in the the north. north I'm your host, Karen McCall, and I'm joined by co host,
1: Jordan Patrick. We're recording in Whitehorse, Yukon, north of the 60th parallel.
2: Where it's winter seven whole months of the year.
1: And where it's a skill to learn to have sex in snowshoes.
2: It sure is.
1: Hey, Northerners, it's Valentine's Day. Woo woo. Love is in the air, maybe. Or maybe not. Yeah. So do you got do you got plans for Valentine's Day, Karen?
2: I don't know if I've ever had plans for Valentine's Day. Uh we said we were going to do a Valentine's Day episode on the show and that didn't work out, but that's okay because we have a lot we have an awesome uh interview today that you did. Um but for those who do find themselves single right now, we're offering a pretty cool event coming up. Yay! virtual speed dating as per the times of the pandemic so that's for Yukoners and um right now it's for ages 28 to 42 but in the future we'd like to run more events so if you're outside that demographic or in you're in the LGBTQ plus community um let us know and we'd like to run future events for you but um yeah, pretty excited about that. I think it'll be fun. That's on Wednesday, February twenty fourth at seven thirty, and you can get tickets. Um, look for that link on our Facebook page, Frisky North of sixty.
1: It's uh, it's an online event, right?
2: It is, yeah. So how it works is you're in, you're all together on whatever platform. So we we're working with a company, My Cheeky Date, to put this on because I'm not tech savvy enough, and they run these events all over the world. So it's some sort of platform that they use. And then they like move people into these quote rooms. So then it's just two people, one-on-one for seven minutes. And there's a host there just to not at the whole time, but just at the beginning to get people set up. And then they rotate the people through the different rooms to meet with every, all the other people.
1: So what would your reaction be if you got put in a room and the person that you're matched with is wearing pajamas?
2: Well, that's a good conversation starter. I'd be like, <laughs> look at my Yoda slippers. I'll like it's supposed to be like business on the top, party on the bottom, not like party everywhere.
1: I <laughs> where do you get these? That's but I've great. also
2: I've already thought about this. Like, what if you're in a room with like a coworker or someone who, like you know, in a different context, who you're clearly not going to date? And I'm like, you know what? Whatever. I think it's just a good opportunity to connect with people because we're not seeing as many people during the pandemic. So I think it'll be fun no matter what.
1: Totally. I think it's a great, alternative to, you know, swiping on Tinder and trying to have conversations. It's like a little middle step. You're not going to be stuck with them on a a long drawn out date if you don't happen to make a connection. And that's the whole point of it, making a connection. You don't come in with expectations. You won't be disappointed. You might actually have a really good time.
2: Yeah. Actually, somebody posted a comment saying that they did a virtual, like a speed dating event years ago. And he's like, I still keep in touch with people I met on that. He said it was really fun. He doesn't, I think that guy doesn't even live in the Yukon, but he just commented on one of the posts that was shared so uh, yeah i think i don't think there's been something like this in the yukon in recent years anyway since i've been here so i think i mean why not give it a shot
1: yeah covid friendly
2: yeah exactly and then hopefully in the future we'll be able to maybe help organize like in-person speed dating events as well so just as a reminder that's wednesday february 24th at seven thirty p.m and jordan why don't you tell us a bit more about this interview we'll be hearing today on the show
1: yeah. My friend Jeremy came in for our second interview together and people are probably wondering like, what Jeremy, we haven't heard Jeremy before. Well, that's cause I, Jeremy and I just blabbered on for like two hours about everything and realized, well, okay, we got a lot to talk about, but yeah, I'm not going to edit this down to 30 minutes. So we decided to focus in on his, um, his journey, his life into his current marriage, which, um, he describes how he got to a place where him and his partner opened it up. So they have an open marriage and it's a really beautiful story. And I'm really excited for listeners to have a listen. So here's chair bear. If you were going to write a story like Forrest Gump style, the story of how Jeremy got to where he is today, um, where do we start?
0: I guess very, very early in my my life. Um, my mother knew that uh, I liked to consume books, and so left books out, um, thinking that I would probably need a sexual education at some point that wasn't from school kids and porn and knowing that school systems didn't really have a sexual education past like basic anatomy fear STDs fear yeah, STDs yeah, fear everything really yeah like Um. so I don't know she left books around um, more like textbook kind of
1: books the women's body book Encyclopedias, um, the woman's body book. Yeah. So, how old was Jeremy when he first picked up that book? Uh, like eleven, probably. Okay. Yeah, ten or eleven. What do you What do you remember from those pages? Um, like actual anatomy,
0: like um, stuff about menstruating, and like how women's bodies worked, and like. Um, gave me a lot better idea of what to expect when dating and actual, uh, education on sex than what I got at school
1: or from your parents. Like was the intention your parents left the books out and were like, well, we know Jeremy will read anything lying around the house. So let's just put this book over here. We don't even need to have this conversation. Um, maybe,
0: um, my mom was pretty open. Like if I asked questions, she had answers. And when, like, I was 12 years old, I was going to a birthday party, and she, like, handed me a handful of condoms. I was like, what kind of party do you think this is? Like, we're going to eat pizza and play video games. It's like, (laughs) for dudes. (laughs) (laughs) The idea of homosexuality hadn't even crossed my mind at that point. It wasn't even a thing.
1: So where are you from, Jeremy? Like, give us a context here.
0: Very small town, rural Alberta. Um, we like, I grew up, um, first we lived in a farmhouse outside of Alex. Um, it was a one room farmhouse. It had one register vent and my mom put like the bathtub over that vent <laughs> to like <laughs> Is bathe, that safe? bathe me. <laughs> and then there were so many mice that they were hiding all the like mouse poison in our couch. The mice would like get all this grain that had mouse poison and like hoard it in our couch and my mom was like my kid's gonna eat this mouse crane <laughs> so we like had to move <laughs> so we moved into a trailer in mirror mirror is like 250 to 300 people it is not even a village it's a hamlet it's a yeah very so small very town. small town so mm-hmm. like you do something the whole town knows about it within like 20 minutes of it happening
1: So the discussion at a friend's sleepover with pizza and video games and a a pocket full of condoms would not like the discussion around homosexuality would be not likely to come up. And if it did, it would stay within the confines of that room, I imagine.
0: Yeah. Like somebody might call somebody gay. That's the extent that that would have happened. None of us had any clue about any kind of other sexuality other than heteros and dad
1: and all this he uh
0: worked in an oil field and was gone most of the time so um after i was like six or seven or maybe eight years old he didn't really play much of a role in my life until i until i was 22 21 or 22 and started working with him
1: so what was dating like in this hamlet of a community uh, it was like
0: pretty much whoever was close to your age and available was who you
1: dated. <laughs> there wasn't, <laughs> wasn't a question. really any. It was like, that's a criteria. Yeah. Roughly my age. Yeah. And you're not with anyone else as far as I know.
0: Yeah. Cause it was like, and like most of the time you were just like, okay, well there's nobody. So we'll just wait.
1: <laughs> so, so I'm just going to kind of jump back and forth here. At some point in your life, you come into open relationships uh, mm-hmm. and like a mindful decision on your part. But at this time in this small town, what do you think their thoughts on open relationships um, were? People having open relationships, as far as you knew, was uh, that even on the radar?
0: Not consensually, like, and that's the thing. Like, it's kind of as soon as I started dating, I was like, I was just not really that jealous. I was just. If you sleep with somebody else, tell me about it. If you want to go do something with somebody else, that's cool. Just let me know. Um, maybe don't do it in front of me. Mm. It's because sometimes that didn't feel great. Um, But there was a lot of um double standards. Some people would be super jealous, so they would be like, I don't want to see you with anybody else. You're like, okay, but then you cheated on me, mm. so that's odd. <laughs> Where do we go from So here? now we break up, because, <laughs> like, what heck? <laughs> but I was always, like, like, when I was in relationships with people that were very
1: promiscuous,
0: I was like, that's fine. Just let me know. Just, I want to know before I find out from other people. It's a small mm. town.
1: And you had that kind of way of thinking even at a young age because yeah. you realized, well, yeah. this is not a yeah. sustainable model. Yeah. And I'm um, thinking about it now. Like, I had had talks
0: with my one uncle, um, because him and my aunt, my aunt was like a biological relation and she had married this man. And at some point in their relationship, she became very asexual. She had had, um, sexual assault in her past and was not sexual so they had an open relationship for a while Mm -hmm. and then she was too jealous to have that continue so they ended up breaking up because he still had sexual needs that he couldn't fulfill in that relationship in any way so um but yeah i hadn't thought about that until now that i'd even had talks with adults when I was like 16 about open relationships and finding things that you needed outside your relationship. As long as that was consensual with your partner.
1: Open conversations. Yeah. This is kind of what I want, but I'm checking in with you first. Yeah. Like where was your first exploration into like a consensual, like well communicated or maybe starting to communicate a uh, relationship?
0: my wife now um is the relationship that i started exploring that with um until i met her i was a serial monogamist i pretty much ended up if i broke up with somebody i'd be single for a while and then i'd be with somebody else for quite a long time and like sometimes those were like on again off again relationships with the same person so I dated a couple people for like five years apiece. So yeah, serial monogamous for a while. And then I met Megan when I had just come out of like a five-year relationship. And I was really not ready for a committed relationship. I was like, I was ready to travel and have sex with people. Um, Different people, not the same person for five years and um, I started seeing Meg and very soon it became clear that it was going to be a quite serious relationship I really liked her I really liked hanging out with her I didn't want to not be with or around her and so I wasn't um, like wanting to break up with her or not spend time with her to, like, go hoe around. So...
1: How did you know that she was going to... She was different from the others? Like, what was that shift? You're like, oh, this is going serious.
0: I don't know if there's, like, one single thing, but, like, she just treated me with respect and, like, a person and didn't expect me to be everything for her. And...
1: What does that mean?
0: Mm, pretty much everybody that I had dated before that like wanted me to go out and make money and pay for things and take them out to dinner and do all those things, but then also like clean up after them and myself and basically do everything. Also, like all the hard work in the relationship of like finding out what's wrong and talking it out when i met meg it was very much 50 50 it was she paid for half of the bill when we went out or you know she paid one time i paid another time she cleaned up dishes cooked once in a while and i cooked once in a while she asked me if i was sad and what was going on with me most other people that i had dated was it was very one-sided and that's how I feel. Maybe they feel differently than that. I don't know, but that's how I felt. And having this person that was willing to put in effort into our relationship and in life in general was really great. We were driving somewhere and I was driving. We had stopped at a fast food restaurant. She pulled out a cheeseburger out of the bag and started unfolding it and wrapping it so that I could eat it without having to deal with that myself and make a mess while I was driving. That's one of the things that we remember as like, I was like, what are you doing? And she's like, well, I'm wrapping it up so that you can like eat it. And I was like, nobody does that. I love you. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much. Did I say that out loud? (laughs) Pretty much. We had been dating for about a year, it was starting to really set in that I was going to be with her probably for the rest of my life. This wasn't like a, we're gonna break up. It was a, we're not gonna break up. That was good, but it was also um, different because I i don't think I had ever, like I had dated people for a year, but then we would break up and then we would like see other people for a bit and then get back together.
1: Kind and of a similar pattern to yeah. previous ones.
0: And so, th- so in this relationship, it was not like that. It was like very apparent that we were not going to break up. I have a very procedural brain. There's rules in there. Like even when I'm dreaming, those rules are the same. If I'm having a dream and there's a possibility that I can have sex with somebody, in the dream, I start looking for a condom. <laughs> very often. Mom pops up. Here's no, your just like... <laughs> The person will walk away, or like you know, things come up. Oh, I hate this, and then the sex doesn't happen in the dream. And then I wake up and I'm like, What? It was a dream, like, but anyway, so my procedural (laughs) brain stopped being able to fantasize, Mm -hmm. stopped like I stopped wanting to masturbate, I stopped wanting to have sex as much, even with Megan. And I started being very attracted to other people and thinking about having sex with other people. But then having this like stop in my brain where that wasn't the thing. And then I was fairly depressed and I didn't know why we chatted about it. I was just like kind of sitting on the edge of the bed being depressed and Meg's like, what is going on? And I was like. Here's the thing like, for one of the first times in my life, I'm feeling attracted to other people. When we met, really kind of just wanted to travel and have sex with other people and have relationships with a bunch of people. And this ended up being like a very long term thing that I wasn't expecting. I'm like having trouble fantasizing because, like, I don't feel like I should be able to actually have sex with other people, and my brain is like, having a problem with this. And she was like, why don't you just sleep with other people? And I was like, pardon, what? (laughs) Like, this doesn't compute in my head at all. And she was like, well, we know these other two people and a couple other people that are polyamorous. Like, yeah. And their relationships seem pretty great. They communicate, like, There's definitely bumps in the road, but they talk about things, they talk about things before they do them, and they overall seem like they have better relationships than the um, monogamous people that we know, that always seem to have two people that are going in different directions, but saying they're going the same direction. So I was like, okay, that makes sense. We didn't really do much with it for a bit, Um, but... It changed my way of thinking and helped me kind of get out of that little depression and think that, like, it was okay to at least fantasize about these things again. Because if we talked about things and figured things out, then maybe I could sleep with somebody. And then it was, well, you know, everybody's got, like, celebrity things, you know, like... If you could sleep with so and so, like you could totally do that. Like that's your free pass.
1: <laughs> Brad Pitt. Yeah.
0: And for us, it was like pretty much any celebrity would. Do.
1: But in that moment in time, it sounds as though there was a lot of repressing of these, like these fantasies, these yeah. thoughts. Just they weren't happening because yeah. there was a part of your brain that, I don't know, sounded like it sounds a lot like shame. Like there might have been shame attached to the idea of being. Of having a sexual relationship outside yeah. of your committed relationship. Yeah.
0: And then later on, it also developed um, as um, also the ability to explore more um, of the kink side of things mm. that I had really just abandoned. When I met Meg, I don't know if I ended up creating this idealized notion of her that didn't include these things.
1: So you have this conversation with Meg, then nothing happens for a while. Yeah. How did uh, How did you guys start to explore, like, what your relationship could be after that conversation? Because it sounds like she was coming from a yeah. really open minded place.
0: Yeah. For me, at at first, it was enough just to be able to fantasize again, to be able to like watch porn, which was actually kind of a big part of my sexuality be able to masturbate again and have dream fantasies and think about things but i'm really not great at picking people up in a bar or internet dating wasn't really a thing for that at the time for me it was if this is going to happen it needs to be um quiet it needs to be under the radar so that family didn't find out or Um, like Meg's professional life, people didn't find out and stuff like that. It wasn't, I think, um, polyamory and stuff has really blown up in the last few years and it's a lot more open. People are talking about it and people kind of are changing their views on, um, monogamy and whether it's ethical to be polyamorous. So yeah, for a little bit. I I didn't even really worry about it, but it it was enough for me to just be able to think about it. I guess the image that I had in my head of my relationship with Meg was different than the things that I wanted to explore. And maybe I didn't think that she would be into them at the time. So um, for me, um, part of it was I want to go explore these things over there and come back and talk about it started actually thinking like I I should really actually pursue this open relationship thing and do something with it. I was not a confident person. I didn't think I was attractive. I'm not good at talking to random people in bars, like I was saying.
2: Mm.
0: So um What were you once afraid again, of? Uh, rejection. Yeah. Um pretty big fear of rejection. I know it's weird. Like you're in a relationship already. There's like the quote-unquote fallback plan but still a fear of rejection Mm. so and still wanting to keep things quiet and then we we moved up here to Whitehorse we were living in Red Deer in a little one-bedroom apartment we put all of our stuff in a a stock trailer and borrowed my dad's one-ton truck and a stock trailer and drove up here we found a place to rent while we were on the highway three-quarters of the way here we really lucked out And then I was working in Alberta and we were living up here. So I would be in Alberta for three weeks to two months and then come back for a week. So there was a separation and Meg was like, yeah, do whatever you want if you're in Alberta. Okay. So it was still like a, let me know before you sleep with somebody, but like go ahead and get a phone number, go ahead and do this, go ahead and try and date someone. But it was still like trying to keep it quiet. So I wasn't, I, I, I didn't have like an open Tinder account.
1: So you're out there. Yeah. And you're like, all right, I got a, I got a green light. Yep. But I'm still feeling, how did you feel going into that? Uh,
0: it was still weird. Mm-hmm. Um, I ended up meeting someone that was a burlesque performer.
1: Okay. Random um, encounter?
0: I was working in Drayton Valley, and there was a tiny little bar there that had dancers.
1: And everyone knows your name.
0: And, you know, well, they know. eventually do, yeah. <laughs> okay. After the first night you're drinking in there, you do. So that was the first time I had like kind of thought about really actually seeing anybody else. I got a couple phone numbers and messed up like didn't text for too long or was like usually it was like i was flying home like the next day after cuz i would like go out to the bar on like the night before i was going to go home because i didn't have to work the next day so i'd end up getting a phone number and then like not texting or something like that for too long and, or telling the person that i was married and then would be like okay well that's not happening now then
1: <laughs> so like before going into it did you and meg set some it's like clear boundaries or did she have some like it sounds like as long as you communicated that was one thing as long yeah. as you let her know in advance um, that you know this might happen
0: we communicated about things and then sometimes she would say go it's okay to go do this and then i'll go do that thing and then it would be like well not the way that you did it okay but like a debriefing. We didn't do, we didn't talk about the parameters that you're mad about now. Mm. And it was just like, we've cleared it out now that she was just like, she was just upset about it. It wasn't that I actually did something wrong. It was that she was just upset that I had slept with somebody else mm. and didn't really have a way to communicate that because that was supposed to be okay.
1: So it sounds like her being open-minded and allowing, and encouraging you to to allow you to express yourself in this way was really an edge for her because it sounds like there were a lot of mixed feelings there. So it was it yeah. was difficult for her. Yeah, I'm guessing at first. Yeah, you know when did when did that change for the two of you when things went from this is kind of awkward still and I still kind of have maybe some mixed feelings about it to like you're both okay with it or even Uh, enthusiastic
0: in the end when she found somebody that she was interested in sleeping with and then the conversations that ensued that were like okay we we have this rule for you jerry but does this rule really make sense i'm like no this rule doesn't make sense one way so Mm. we don't we don't need that rule going forward if you don't want that rule going forward okay Maybe three or four months into that process, she was like, I'm really sorry for how we went through things with you because they don't make sense now that I'm looking back.
1: How did you respond to her first time exploring? Is it okay to call it extramarital? Yeah. uh, yeah?
0: Um,
1: Like outside of the marriage, sexual relationships.
0: I was pretty fine with it. Um, But I was in a different place than her where I'd already slept with other people. So I guess in my head, if I was like thinking about it, I couldn't really be like, well, I'm mad at you now because I've already done this thing. But yeah, I don't know because I was in a different place than she was. So it didn't really bother me. Mm. But that kind of thing, as long as it was like above board, never really bothered me i've had girlfriends cheat on me in a monogamous relationship been able to forgive them because they told me what had happened and like apologized for it and everything was fine until like they were mad at me because they thought that i was gonna sleep with somebody yeah Mm -hmm.
1: sounds like a lot of you you mentioned double standards when you were a kid like you know people like other youths like not wanting you to sleep around, but there it's okay for them. Yeah. And then you find yourself in relationships where yeah. other people are being dishonest, but then later on you're like, well, I'm having fantasies. I, I like, you know, yeah. but you're stopping yourself from it. It's almost like you had a double standard with yourself until yeah. you came out in this way. So jealousy is kind of like, I think the biggest barrier for most people even yeah. thinking about allowing yeah. sharing of partners. Just being open to that. How did you guys overcome those? It sounds like you said a lot of conversations, yeah. like or communication, full yeah. disclosure kind of stuff. Or
0: when I first started exploring things, it was it was kind of a, a more full disclosure, and then it um, kind of became apparent that that wasn't really helpful uh, because, like, the more information Meg had beforehand and afterward, the m- the more feelings she would feel about it. So in the end, it kind of came to be, uh, I'm going to sleep with this person on this day. Okay. And then nothing would really be said about it unless she like wanted to know Mm. something. Don't ask, don't tell. So still like if she wants to know anything, anytime I'll tell her, but I don't give her too much information um, because Mm. it's not helpful for her. Her logical brain and her feelings aren't always on the same page. As, as with the rest of us.
1: Mm, well said. Yeah. So, where would you guys say you are now in your, your marriage? Like, this is, I don't know how long ago you guys started exploring this, but, you know, what is it like? What is it like dating in an open marriage and white horse? How do you meet people? Uh,
0: it's tough meeting people. There are a lot more women than men. It seems to be a lot harder for women to date here. Meg, after deciding that she was more into that, um, whereas most of our relationship, she was like, I don't want to do that. It's okay if you do, but I don't. So we've had a a fair bit of struggles with that um, because there's not any information about that kind of a relationship out there. There's basically just a breakup with them. If you are poly and your partner isn't, then you should break up. That's the only advice that there is out there, really.
1: Yeah, there's no books that maybe could kind of get you. Like, I feel like these days there's a lot more than there was when we were growing yeah, up.
0: There's there's a lot of books about polyamory. Is the polyamory where both people are polyamorous.
1: Ah, I see. And in, Whereas in that situation in, in
0: most of our relationship, it was me being, I'm gonna go out and be polyamorous. I'm gonna see other people, I'm gonna do all these things. And Meg was like, "What do I get out of it?" Mm. And now, after she um, decided that there were things that she would get out of it, um, mostly because she just like she met a couple people that she was really attracted to, and she was like, I, "I, I want to sleep with this person." And I was like, "You, you should, you should, you should give that a try." And those couple people, it didn't work out, but the way of thinking changed where she had those feelings for somebody else and they didn't change the way she felt about me. And that was a pretty big thing with her because the biggest reservation with Polly was that she thought that I was going to leave her. She thought that I was going to fall in love with somebody else, that sex would be better or something with them, and I would leave her. And after her having feelings for other people and not having that change her feelings for me, there was a big um, shift in her brain where she was like, oh, you're not going to leave me because some random person is really sexy. Or even if you like actually love them, that doesn't mean that you're going to leave me. It just means that you also love that person.
1: And did the decision to marry kind of really solidify that commitment to one another for you guys
0: Mm, it was after that
1: yeah yeah the
0: timeline is like we got married twice even oh wow so we got married in alberta the first time and we didn't have the marriage license we were just going to do that whenever we got home and then there was a big schlamozzle, uh meg's mum had uh, a bit of a, a tantrum about us not having a marriage license because she thought we weren't actually getting married she told people that we weren't getting married but we were we were intending to just like get the paper signed when we got home and then that was all that it made us really angry about it and we just were like fine we're, we're just not going to do that and then a year later we decided to get the marriage license and everything done we got kate white to officiate for us and we went up Gray Mountain with a few friends, wore superhero t-shirts, and listened to Norse pagan music. And there was a rainbow, and it was all beautiful, and that was the way to go. So if anybody out there is like going to get married, just like do what you want. <laughs>
1: and a rainbow will show yeah, like,
0: up. Everybody's going to hate it anyway. So <laughs> do what you want.
1: Beautiful. Yeah. You know, I couldn't think of a better spot to kind of wrap things up. Yeah. Unless there's anything else you'd like to say, Jeremy?
0: A couple things. Um, first of all, um, right now, like our marriage is probably the best it's ever been. We communicate great. We have things that come up in our relationship that could be a big deal, but aren't because we've put all this hard work into communicating about all this stuff. Um, we've been able to help friends, um, navigate their relationships because we've done all this hard work and gotten a lot better at figuring this stuff out um so yeah we're in probably the best place in our relationship we've ever been and there's been points in this journey i would just like to say that i have told her like i don't want to do this anymore this is too much work we're fighting a lot and she was the one to say, no, we should continue with this because A, we don't want you to just like have these feelings and repress them and then end up cheating on me. And B, like we can get through this and we can figure out how to communicate this stuff and do it.
1: That's beautiful, man. I think there's a lot of people out there who are just, how do I even begin to do this? And I think you've given, in sharing your story, you've given us a a yeah. An excellent example of, of painting a clear picture. It's not yeah. an easy ride, but no. it's, it was really worth it for you guys yeah. and still is. Yeah. Thanks, man. No problem. This podcast, as well as music, was produced by myself, Jordan Patrick. Have you got any comments, opinions, feedback? Or do you just want to be interviewed for our show? Lend us your perspective. Lend us your voice. Send us an email at uh, friskynorthof60 at gmail.com. That's friskynorthof60, 60, at gmail.com. We're looking for sponsors. Have you got a product or event that you think other Yukoners would dig or just couldn't do without? Communications are open, so fire us an email. Until next time, keep it frisky.